Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Mr. Michael Dutro of Measured Golf, coming to you from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Michael, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm doing great, man. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, I'm excited. I've listened to a few episodes uh, since uh, you reached out, and uh, I think it's I think it's great. Like we talked about before we started recording, you know, we got uh, we got some people out here who want to run their business better. Uh, they're obviously trying to find the answers, and they're looking into your podcast. So I think our job is to tell them the truth and to be honest with them. And I'm excited to do this because I really am passionate about what I do. Uh, I really, truly believe that I'm on the path to being the best at what I do. And that's something that's very encouraging to me because I really don't uh, commit to things and do things unless I feel like I have the opportunity to be the best ever do it. And that might sound a little hubris or egotistical, but if you're not trying to be the best at what you do, then why the hell own your own business? Go be an assistant vice principal. So that's how I feel about uh... it. You set me up for success and, and intro the show fantastically there. Now, Michael, of course, you mentioned we're here to talk about your business, to pull and derive value so that everybody else can take what they will and, and do a little bit better in whatever their business happens to be. The focus today is measured golf, right? Give us a little bit of an intro. When you describe this business to other people, how do you go about doing that? What is this business about? Um, that's a great question. And it's, it's, I I don't want to say that there's a hard definition because it's ever changing. And one of our big points of pride and what we do and how we train is that we want to be agnostic at all times. And what I mean by that is if there's somebody who walks through our door and shows us that there's a better way and can prove it through hard research and statistics and science, I'm going to start doing it that way that day. I'm not going to argue with that person if they have hard facts. So what we're trying to do, I guess, in a nutshell, is we're trying to make the game of golf, we'll call it, uh, because that's where we spend most of our time in this environment. But we're trying to make the game of golf easier for people by creating a better understanding. And what I mean by that is that there's no arguing with the fact that the human body cannot do anything that the human brain does not tell it to do first. So when people have negative variants on the golf course, they want to make excuses and they want to throw their hands in the air and they want to swear that the golf gods are angry at them. But in reality, they just made a mistake and human beings tend to do that because we have a significant amount of variance within us. So what we try to do here at our facility is instead of referencing a model or a method, uh, we actually start with a 50 question evaluation that goes out to every new client. And that contains a psychological profile that I get that contains a lot of information that allows me to understand that person before they ever walk into the door. And now when they come in, it's like I know them uh, because we, we really pay close attention to this. So they come in and what we start with is a tape measure. And I have $35,000 3D dual force plates, uh, one of 12 facilities in the world to have them. Uh, we have three $26,000 track men. We have one D4. I mean, dude, I've, I've spent money like it's going out of style. And the reason that we've been able to continue to do that is because of the use of the tape measure that costs $299 and everybody can afford. 
because by using that tape measure and measuring each individual and understanding the relationships within their body, now all of a sudden we have a pretty clear cut pathway through the use of biomechanics as to how they're gonna move best. And using those force plates and using the TrackMan, we're getting hard data. And with that hard data, we're able to actually show significant improvement and people play a lot better. And everyone wants it easy. Everybody doesn't wanna think. Everybody wants to just know how to do it. But the only way to get to that point is through wisdom. And I really feel like business owners never understand this, but you can have all the certifications in the world, and that's a great knowledge base to pull from. But you also have to have all the experience in the world, because if you don't have the experience, all that information is really worthless because you don't understand the application of it. And then once you've like really put the hours in, so to speak, and you've seen a million things and you've read a million things, when you put those two things together, now all of a sudden this knowledge plus this experience turns into wisdom. And when you are working with people who have wisdom to share, they make it very easy. I mean, it, it happens in the classroom. It happened, you know, for me, I had two uh, professors in college that were my whole college experience because they had wisdom. They had been very successful in their field and only came into academia after they had retired. So they had the experience to go with this information base and they had wisdom. And they made it seem so easy to me. But when I would go home and read the text, it might as well have been written in Chinese because I didn't understand a bit of it. <laughs> so yeah, why the, is the it reason that, that this had... type of business exists in the first place is so that we can fast track our results, right? I don't want to spend 30 years learning the things that this person has learned. How can I pay you to teach it to me in a way that is meaningful, right? And the thing that's so crazy about it, honestly, is that we have people that are coming in. I have two young, uh, two young girls right now, um, both Indian descent. And uh, just really great girls, don't have a lot of athletic background, but it's amazing. They've been playing golf for a grand total of four months, and you want to see these two girls, man. I mean, they're really doing well. And we've really kind of found a way to help people better understand and to help people, like, have some freaking confidence, man. Um, you know, like, it's so interesting that golf is such a unique sport to where it's like there's almost this badge of honor, honor for the downtrodden. And people really feel like, oh my God, the worse I am, the more I can say I'm a golfer. And it's like, they just love being kicked. And the thing that I love about what we do here is through the use of science and through the use of the biomechanics understanding that we have is we're able to show people they can get better. And when you show somebody that and they care about the subject matter they're getting better at, it's unbelievable the effect it has on that person because um, it, it, it really changes their life. I mean, it really does. Like I've had some clients now for, you know, five, six years and to see how they have matured over those six years and to see how they've evolved and grown as people. I mean, we're having a, a, an impact on people, whether we're aware of it or not. One of my yeah. favorite stories real quick. Um, I was coming back from working with a client and, uh, I was on the, I was getting on the plane and I'm sure, I don't know how much you travel, but I travel quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you do the five minutes of chit chat as you're getting into your seat and then you like put the headphones in and you don't say anything else. So, uh, that's kind of how the business travel works for me. And I was doing the five minutes of chit chat with this very nice older lady who couldn't have been more of a prototypical grandma, but she was very prim and proper. And, uh, she sits down next to me and she starts talking and she goes, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, ma'am, I, I actually teach golf. And she says, uh, oh, that's so silly. She goes, I don't understand why anybody would devote any time to that game. I just think it's absolutely ludicrous. 
And she just absolutely empties both barrels right into my chest. And I looked at her and I said, ma'am, I said, if I had never played golf, I would totally understand where you're coming from. I really would. I said, the premise of chasing a little white ball around the field does seem kind of ludicrous. I said, but here's the real thing that I do. I said, the people that I work with really, really care about golf. And it means a lot to them for whatever reason. And, and people have a wide range of reasons they care about golf. But these people really, really care. And because they care so much, when I help them with it, it helps them with their daily life. It makes them feel better. It makes them feel accomplishment. It gives them confidence. So I guess you could say what I do is I actually help people through the avenue of golf. Yep. And she kind of looked at me like I had really made an impact with her. And then I, I looked at her and I said, and oh, by the way, I'm sitting right next to you in first class. So I guess I'm doing just fine. And I put my <laughs> headphones in. It didn't say anything the rest of the way, man. Because it's like, you know, I don't like judgment. I don't like when people judge others. And the thing is, man, is like, it's nobody's business why people want to go to a gym. It's nobody's business why people want to take golf lessons. Somebody wants to do it. And I think when they decide they want to do it, they should get access to the very best. And that's what we're trying to provide. And that's what you're trying to help people do a better job of with their businesses because people deserve better. And let's face it, man, a lot of the gyms offer terrible service and terrible training. And what happens in that scenario is that not only do we potentially hurt the client, but more importantly, we give that client a bad experience now they feel like, well, hey, I went to somebody who's an expert and they were supposed to help and they couldn't help me. So I'm just hopeless and I can't be helped. And now all of a sudden we've shattered their confidence. We've shattered their experience with the gym or our facility or whatever the case may be. And most importantly, we've completely killed a client for the industry. And we cannot keep severing our relationships with new clients prematurely. We just can't do it because we won't be able to sustain our industries. And I know that the golf industry has a problem with this because they're very traditionalist and they want to keep rolling out the same stuff they've been rolling out for 30 years. And I know the gym industry does the same thing. And I, I just, thing. when I look at training across the board, it's so traditionalist in nature, it's, it's embarrassing and it makes me want to puke. I mean, the record yeah, the books should all be crumbling. More of an uphill battle for the rest of us. Yeah, well, it's, you know, there's, there's power structures, and there's all those types of things, and people have motives to protect certain things. And it's, it just is what it is, man. And, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's definitely at the benefit, uh, or one viewpoint is it's the benefit of the gym owner to keep them coming back. So don't make them better, and they keep coming back. But in my world, that just doesn't work. And people aren't going to continue to pay me what they pay me if I don't make them better. And I have to make them better every single time. And the really thing, the thing that really sucks about being a small business owner is you can be perfect all the time. And we really try for perfection. I understand we can't be perfect, but we try as hard as we can to do everything to the best of our abilities. But if I screw it up just once, I've probably screwed that relationship up enough to where they won't come back. And that's the thing that's really hard about this business is it's a commitment every day. And for us, the Super Bowl doesn't happen once a year. It happens 365 times a year. And for us, every day is a Super Bowl. And if that's not your approach to business and you don't wake up because of your business and you don't freaking not go to sleep because of your business, then you shouldn't have a business. And like I said, you should be an assistant vice principal and collect a nice check and get a 401k and do all that stuff because that's probably going to work out better for you in the long run. Yeah, a lot to unpack there, um, but not unlike the same reason a whole lot of gym owners get into the industry. You mentioned in your story talking to a woman on the plane, like what I do is 
in its essence, help people. Right? Help they people. care about this. This is meaningful to them. I want to help them get better at it. And then sure, there's carryover to other aspects of their life outside of just 18 holes of golf. And so when we talk about measured golf and, and what it is that you do, walk us through kind of the, the delivery of this. Is this almost exclusively in a one-on-one -on -one setting? How many people do we work with? How many clients do we have in that sort of model? So right now, uh, we've got a email database of active clients of right around 1,200. Um, so when I say active, I mean that we've seen those people in the past 12 months. So in terms of how many people, uh, that's really not something that we necessarily look at a lot because once again, there's me and there's Aram. Uh, so there's only two of us. And to answer your question, we do kind of work on more of a one-on-one -on -one setting because everything we do is about understanding the individual versus understanding the group. So for us, it's, I would say we're pretty busy in terms of how busy we want to be. So I charge a pretty decent rate uh, for what I do. And I'm, I'm, I think it's a fair market value. I think I can still deliver value at this price or I wouldn't be at this price point. Uh, with that said, um, I think that I need to be really prepared. And going back to that 50-question survey, even though I have know this person and I've met this person a million times and worked with this person, I go through my notes before every single session. Uh, and that's a really good trick. If you're a young, if you're a young business owner, uh, quit trying to keep everything in your head because you can't and you'll mess things up a bunch and keep really good notes and keep really great notes on every single client, whether they're a professional athlete or a first-time client, keep great notes because you look like a genius when they come in because you can reference the last time you worked together. And once again, this person starts feeling special because they think you're the only person they work with. And one of my favorite tricks here at Measured Golf is people always ask us, they go, is the business doing okay? Like, if it's not very crowded and they don't understand. We don't want to be crowded. This is professional yeah, training space. Yeah, it's absolutely to make them feel more special. Uh, and it's not a crowd. And not only that, but like, let's face reality. Um, I, I don't want to get into any of the stuff associated, <clears throat> but we, we were an indoor environment and we have COVID. And for us, that's something that we still take seriously because it's something that's still a real thing. And we have to be aware of that. So, you know, getting people yep. shoulder to shoulder probably isn't the best idea. And I like to think that we've learned from our past mistakes. So we are able to clean things more often and more frequently and in between every single visitor, uh, which we take very seriously. And we're able to get our coaches, both Aram and myself, more prepared because we actually have time to go use the bathroom. We actually have time to feed ourselves. We actually have time to read our notes. Uh, this, this is stuff that's really important because if, if you're looking at trying to become a high-end coach that works with high-end athletes that doesn't have to do the volume model and doesn't have to kill yourself doing that stuff, then you have to understand that you have to really deliver to each and every client. And for you to do that, you just can't do it wall to wall 12 hours a day. It just right. won't work. That's a really important point that I think in our industry, at least in the fitness industry, gets lost oftentimes in the idea of matching the service and the model to the price that you charge. A lot right. of the time we think with our own wallet, we think, oh, I could afford XYZ pricing. But if you're trying to deliver hours and hours and hours worth of value and not charging hours and hours and hours worth of money, you're going to quickly be 
working way more than you like for make a lot less money than you would yeah. ideally want to be pulling in. And so for you guys, you mentioned it's yourself and one other gentleman. How do we grow this thing? What's, what is, what is growth for you guys? What's building this business to look like? What metrics are we tracking? Yeah. So for us right now, the, the key indicator for me right now is putting wins on the board. Um, so right now we're not necessarily looking at the business in terms of how many people, because as I said, that doesn't really fit our model and not really what we're trying to do. Um, we actually have a membership model here. Uh, so part of our revenue line is that we provide our space to our members to come in and use. And this model really works well for us because what it does is it provides us a lot of cash going into a slow season for us. Uh, up front. And for us, what we've done with that cash is we've immediately reinvested it back into the business. So uh, that's been kind of the core competency <clears throat> of what we've done with this model. But the fun thing about the model is, is that because we have, you know, 50, uh, which we're going to expand that number a little bit next year to about 75, but we have about 50 members right now. And we have enough membership um, dollars coming in to where it kind of sustains most of our bills for the year because we've managed to keep our lower our overhead fairly low. Um, so for us, we're actually more actively kind of recruiting and we have a lot of people who want to work and come in here. But like I said, it's a professional training space and the people who want to come in and like hear some stories and hang out at the cool place and want to like, I don't know, in the gym world, I guess, like drink their protein shake in front of the mirror and look at their biceps. Those people aren't for us. And those people don't make it very long here. And generally, we fire more clients than we get fired. Uh, because we have a professional space. And like I said, we have members that are in here using the space to train while we're training other athletes as well. And we just can't have any, any, we can't have any feeder fish, man. It's all sharks. And if you're not a shark, we don't want you. So for us, yep. growing the business is putting more wins on the board. More wins on the board gets us a bigger profile in terms of the competitive marketplace that we're trying to compete in and draw clients from. And as we get more of the clients that we want to work with, then we're actually able to start putting those clients into small groups. And then that's where we'll actually be able to really grow the business moving, moving forward. Because once again, it's one thing to offer the training. It's another thing to offer the space. It's another thing to offer the services around the athletes. So like I said, we're talking about uh, collegiate and professional athletes as well as what we would call club golfers. But in terms of growth, we're really focusing on both the collegiate and the professional athlete. And because we're focusing on that, now we have a thing like name, image, and likeness. And now we have things like, hey, I went from being an amateur golfer to now I'm a professional golfer. And I don't have any legal representation. And I don't have an agent. And I don't have any kind of management. And all of these things are needing to be solved because unfortunately people go out and for some people, they don't come from the greatest of backgrounds and they will take whatever deal comes their way because they've never had anybody try to give them any money and they right. sign horrific deals. And then it ends up really screwing up their potential to earn income down the road. So once again, we have a department now that is going to be handling all of that for our athletes. And once again, for me, it's not about bringing in more coaches that I can charge rent to and make money off of. For me, it's about when you pay me, you're paying me to be the head coach. And as the head coach, I have lots of position coaches. So obviously, my first line of defense is Aram, because obviously, if the body is not moving well, 
we're not going to do anything athletic very well. We got to get the body taken care of first. But once we get past that, that kind of line of defense, then we've got other people like Dr. Ryan Caserta, who we bring in from Florida, who works with SOCOM and is a PhD in visual perception and eye tracking. Um, man's a genius, can really show huge effect size and help people a lot. Uh, we've got another gentleman by the name of Paul Horton, who's an aim point specialist, who's going to be coming down from Canada. And essentially, because I've been so committed to this, and like I said, I'm one of the few people to have the force plates that we have. Uh, I've been able to get access to a lot of these world-class coaches, and now it's all part of a Rolodex. So for me, like I said, it's agnostic and not ego-driven, and it's not about what Michael thinks. It's about what science thinks. And if somebody needs to hear a different voice, if somebody needs to get with a different specialist, I can't be an expert at everything. I can only be an expert at a few things. Therefore, I need to put those people in place so that the athlete is best served. Because once again, it's athlete centric for us. It's not about what can we get out of the client. It's about how can we assist the athlete in becoming the best at what they're trying to do. Right. That's and, our and core mission. Definitely a lot to unpack there, but I think what the the crux of what you're getting at is this is so niche. This is so specific in what we're delivering that yeah. scaling isn't really even an option right? Because of you the can't maintain the quality. You just can't, you know, that's right. the problem that you run into. It lines up pretty well with one-on-one -on -one personal training. At, at some point, there's only so many hours in the day and we can only deliver on this time slot for you guys. It sounds like the, the discussion, at least internally down the road is evolving to more of a like semi-private sort of setting where we can handle two, three, four people at least at a time, yeah. that gives us a little bit more capacity to play with because when we talk about growing a business, there's only a handful of ways to do it. It's how can we get more people? How do we get more money from the people that we have? Or how do we keep people longer? Kind of right. those three right. buckets is one of our right. things. I want to graduate athletes, man. Like I want to graduate people. Like I do not want to hold their hand for the rest of time. Like, I just don't like I, if I'm doing my job, I should graduate some people every now and then. And for us, you know, I'm so thankful, man. We have really great clients. Uh, we try really, really hard. So it's not luck, but I am incredibly grateful for each and every client that we have um, without them. We don't exist. So, and we're very aware of, of that. But with of that course. being said, um, with those athletes, man, like we have to deliver first rate service and because we do a good job with that, they don't want to leave, <laughs> you know, like we yeah. can't, the bottom you, know, comes you know, from like where I started, almost. how do we find qualified people to come in? Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, we always have something new. We always, <clears throat> we're always pushing the envelope. You know, I've had clients that I flat out told, Hey, I don't like how we did this in the past. We're going to totally change and do it this way now. And they're like, holy smokes, but it's in the name of getting better, right? I, I'm not a fully formed coach, and I'm tired of coaches acting like they are. We're never fully formed. We should continue to learn. <clears throat> we should continue to challenge ourselves, and we should always ask where we are the weakest and where we are wrong, because if we can start addressing those things internally with ourselves, we can become better because all of a sudden our weaknesses become our strengths. And now all of a sudden we're able to deliver even better, <clears throat> excuse me, results. Yeah. And, and Michael, if people take nothing else from this podcast, other than those last couple of sentences that you just rang off, 
we shouldn't be fully formed, right? Whether that's coaching, whether that's as business owners, whether that's as people, being able to pull from other people, learn from other things and accept that I don't know everything is only going to serve us and our clients far, far better in the long run. And, And believe me, you and I could do an entire interview on that (laughs) sentence alone. But the thing uh, is, man, is like, I I hate to be this way, but it's just how I feel about things. And it's, you know, I'm, dude, we make mistakes. And, you know, my biggest, yeah, you know, my biggest mistake personally is, is that I overcoach. And what I mean by that is I just flat out get over my skis and I get excited and I get, I'm, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about the subject. And, um, you know, man, sometimes I just overdo it a bit. So I'm constantly working against that, but I am open for debate on everything, man. And I, I, I just got back from Europe. Um, the reason I was over there was to, to get to the sources of some information that I really needed a better understanding of and had some pretty, pretty in-depth questions that I needed to talk to the people about. And uh, I mean, we got we to gotta do better, man. And the only way to do better is to understand where, where we're missing the mark. And it's easy for us as coaches to look at our clients and tell them everywhere where they're missing the mark. But, you know, maybe we ought to look in the mirror and do a little self-coaching every now and then. And I think yeah. that we want to be open with our information. Like I said, we're one of the very few places in the United States where you can get on these plates. So we understand that we're maybe looking at some new stuff that people aren't familiar with. I'm not trying to approach this and say that the other coaches are stupid because they don't do it my way. Uh, the other coaches are just doing what they know how to do. And at some level, uh, it's on us to, you know, kind of keep this flame going and to be a beacon of light and to share our information. And to your point, you know, the more I've shared, the more I've given away, the more I've, you know, kind of just been like, hey, here's my information, the more it comes back. Um, you know, the, yep. the better it works out. Hold on. Yeah, You know, I just, I don't think the cattiness is necessary in the industry, uh, in any industry for that matter. It's, you know, open your store, uh, do the best job you can and let the customers decide. And we've had clients leave, man. It's happened. You know, everybody is, is, it happens, you know, Hey, somebody said something that sounded smart. So I went over that, you know, whatever. And the thing is, is they leave. And then, you know, they want to come back, man, because they don't get that weekly email with their schedule. They don't get that weekly email with, hey, this is your practice plan. They don't get that, hey, every time you text me within 20 minutes, I've texted you back. You don't get that, that level of service. And when they don't get that level of service, they go, oh, shoot, I made a mistake. And then they come knocking and I go, I'm sorry, we filled your spot. Yep. You know, people vote so, with their dollars, right? It's sad, man. We have a 3.5 GPA requirement for all of our young people who are still school aged. And uh, I lose probably four to five uh, young athletes a year uh, because they don't make grades. And it's embarrassing, man. But the, 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 the parents will call me and they'll offer me two, three, four times what they're paying me to take them back. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Because we have to live what we're asking our clients to do and we have to hold them accountable and you know if you didn't make grades you had a chance to talk to me about it during the semester I'm very happy to say that I have sat here and tutored my athletes before Uh, I love doing that stuff it's amazing Uh, it's really fun to learn from them uh, and to share that experience but we can work we can work through this man a three five is not that hard 
But for us, it's about putting together or putting the athlete in the best position possible. And I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I get a child by the time, by the time they're 16 years of age, by the time they graduate high school, they can play college golf. And if they have a 3.5 GPA or better, they're going to get a big financial assistance from the education dollars. So now when I go to the coaches, I go, hey, I got a really good prospect for you. Here's more information than you've ever got on any athlete before because I keep impeccable notes and records on everybody. And, oh, by the way, they only need half a scholarship, not a full scholarship, because they're going to get some education dollars here. It's, it's a win-win, man. And once again, the athlete is at the center of this because they're going to go to a university that's going to be a good fit for them, and they're going to get a free education, and they're going to graduate with zero debt. And that's going to put them so far ahead of their peers, it's unbelievable. And now they're just not winning on the golf course. Now they're not just winning in the gym. Now they're winning at life. And now I can sleep at night knowing that I'm doing my job as an actual coach. Yeah, Michael, that is probably the best place that we could start to wrap this whole thing up. I, I always enjoy having this type of conversation and kind of digging through entrepreneurs' mindsets and seeing what makes them tick. And, and so I, I absolutely appreciate your time on the podcast and, and contributing, contributing, excuse me, to what we're working on here. I can't thank you enough, man. And, and we'll have to check in with you down the road and, and see what things look like as you open up this model and, and expand the business. How's that sound? Well, this week we have a, uh, a big tilt that's a 20 by seven hydraulic table coming in that actually can be moved and sloped so that we can do some more effective training with the putting. Uh, so that's a big thing coming. And then, as I said, I was just over in Europe and uh, we've got some really fun stuff coming from overseas that we're going to be adding to the facility as well. So we are definitely a growth mindset facility and we are constantly evolving and changing. So uh, I probably could be totally wait. different six months, yeah. a year from now. Yeah, it, it could be. I might have hair by then. You never know. Um, we'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Michael, this has been a bunch of fun, man. I, I thank yeah. you for your time and we'll talk to you again soon. All right. All right. Thanks so much for having me. And, and if anybody needs anything, please reach out. All right. And so to everyone who tuned in, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Body Works Downtown Athletic Club in Fredericksburg, Virginia, Wayne Goatee. How are you doing today? Just fine. How are you today? I am great. I am looking forward to this. Uh, always cool to talk to somebody who is an OG in the game. So I want to dive into it. Tell me... What's Body Works Downtown Athletic Club all about? Well, 
we're a health club that has evolved over a number of years to kind of fit the need of a small town that is slowly evolving into a larger town. Um, I like to say we were a town that uh, had a, a 7-Eleven and then a massive giant food store opened up and they all came to work out. And that's kind of what our story was in the beginning. And it just kind of stayed that way uh, until other people decided that, wow, look at that little gym over there. It's doing a lot. And they started popping their own gyms up. And that's where the Gold's Gyms and the American Family Fitnesses and the Anytimes and the Planet Fitnesses all started coming in. And we just kept our head down and kept going. And here we are today. Awesome. Yeah. For, for people who are uh, not geographically inclined, Fredericksburg for a long time was basically known as just kind of a little historic town. If you're a fan of history, you know, a lot of stuff has, has happened there and have you've mostly managed you're peripherally on the outskirts of this huge sprawling DC Metroplex, but haven't quite been swallowed up by it yet is Correct. the best description I could give of, of the area. Right. You're right. They're doing their best to make that happen. Um, the city is doing their best to, uh, to keep it a little historic town, but I think they'll eventually lose out um, because the, the development is, is, is happening right now. So it's, uh, it's taken 33 years, but it's happened. So. So you're, you're at least currently close enough to have any of the benefits you want of a cosmopolitan city like DC, but don't quite have to get choked out by the traffic and the smog and all the other stuff. That, that's a, that's a general true statement. Um, you know, we have the highways that say uh, um, you can predict how your day at the gym is going to be if there's a traffic jam three miles north of your city. It, they'll, they'll get in about seven, three, eight o'clock with an attitude and you just know not to talk to them because they, they've been on the road for three and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. That, that could be rough times, but uh, well, hopefully um you, you, uh, you avoid the sprawl for a little while longer, but let's talk about uh, not even today yet. I want to I wanna go in the time machine. You've been in business for going on. We're in around 33 years here uh, of business or a little over 33 years. Uh, we'll never encompass everything that's happened there, but um, give us a little bit of an insight from, you know, the aha moment you know, I want to do this. This is, this is the career path I want to go to and, and any major milestones or inflection points that you've had that have kind of kept you in the game this long. You know, as I said earlier, it was a small town that had a small YMCA and had a couple smaller gyms. I think as, as the big gym concept started popping up in Washington, DC, where I was living prior to that, um, it seemed to be, a great location. It was an hour south of D.C. I looked at a place an hour north of D.C., Laura, Maryland, but the difference between the bonds that Maryland required and Virginia required, it made it simple to go to Virginia because their minimum requirement for a bond for a health club was $10,000. Maryland was $100,000, and that kind of answered that question. So, you know, it, 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 it's a it's an easy thought on that side. So, uh, once we got there, we found a perfect location. Um, it was a little bit out of town, but it made it kind of a destination. And when you come to small towns, people are used to driving 20, 30, 40 minutes to go somewhere. So it was not that big of a deal. Um, we opened up and within six months, one of the smaller gyms that had just opened up closed down. Six months later, another 
gym closed down that had been the, the spa of, the, of our town. It closed down. Um, the YMCA was never that big of a threat. And so in a very short amount of time, we paid back a pretty big size loan from the bank because we drove, drove people to come to us because we were just this kind of bigger club that offered anything and everything. And as you may remember, clubs were weightlifting. There wasn't a treadmill. There wasn't a, a couple of bikes. And so we brought in a massive three treadmills and a massive four stair steppers. And we were like this club that was evolving. We had 27 pieces of Nautilus was just a, unheard of to have that much equipment in one big building. And of course, in mass amounts of free weights and what have you. And that made the big difference for us for a small town. So we were the big, big game in the, in the town for a couple of years until the bigger gyms, of course, came in. So there was a, uh... There definitely, you've seen things change. So it was 88 when we opened the doors, is that right? Correct, December 1st. So yeah, back then, and you know, a lot of people, who knows with our, our listener base may not have realized what the evolution of, of the health club has been into, into what it is now. There were, you know, there were a lot of clubs that were tennis clubs or racquetball clubs that had a little bit of weights, or there were, there were all these different things that kind of turned into amalgamation. And I guess the nineties were probably a, a big flip. And then as it turned into the two thousands, seems like when the, the overall health and fitness club, as we know it today, probably started to make its emergence. So as you were seeing these things change, these, the trends uh, shifts in the way things go, um, two questions, you're a 12,000 square foot gym now, correct? Correct. Were you that big from the start or as things changed, did you expand to grow, to adapt and accommodate? What does that look like as you've gone with this changing tide of, of fitness clubs? Right. So in our first uh, location, we were at 12,000 square foot Butler building, 25 foot ceilings, uh, massive open area space, all good. Um, it gave us the opportunity to really kind of be impactful. So when you walk through the door, you just saw this vastness of weights and everything. Um, but in that time, it took about seven years. We just happened to be in the downtown Fredericksburg area in a business that was uh, doing okay, but they were ahead of their time, decided to move out of a bigger location and move somewhere else. We stumbled into it, longer story, we were able to get this location. Um, it was 12,000 square feet. And I said, well, how about that? We can what take- coincidence. Yeah, um, it was between two floors, which kind of made it interesting to me because as you would know, as gyms evolved from, from the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, it was guys lifting weights. Girls were coming along. It was kind of evolving in that direction. But now as it has stepped forward, of course, that population of people that want to go lift weights and, 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 and get big is shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. And the group of people that want to come in and sit on a bike and do a treadmill and do a circuit and go home was evolving and it was getting bigger and better. And so you found yourself going, how could I, how could I take these guys that I love that I'm a part of and put them over there on the corner so that Bill and Ted and Wendy and Susie won't have to look over and go, but I don't look big. So how can I come to your gym? 
And this fit that bill perfectly because we had 6,000 square feet downstairs on the main floor, big open windows, people were driving by, and it looked like a little typical gym that the average person would say, I could walk in there and use that place. And upstairs is where we put the freeways. So it turned out to be this perfect thing. We have a few issues you know, with people slamming weights on occasion. Some of our veterans downstairs kind of get nervous and wonder why the bombs are still going off. But you know, we fix that problem. We go upstairs and say, set, set the waist down nice and we'll all get along. If not, there's another gym down the street you could probably go to. Um, and then that's where we kind of evolved. So it's, it's kind of, it, it, we took it, we followed the path to what is now just the simple thing. Here's a softer gym, head upstairs if you want the better gym, blend them together and, and we exist. It sounds like one of those things where you might not have been able to dream up ahead of time. Maybe you did. And if you did, kudos to you. What a big advantage would be to finding a spot with two levels. But, um, you know, whether you call it making lemonade out of lemons or just, you know, seizing a moment, uh, it really it's an it's an interesting way to look at things and you hit a topic that we can't drive home enough. And when it comes to gyms, especially in, you know, with retail areas, with store frontage that get walk by or drive by traffic. Um, but also this carries over to marketing. Whoever your audience is, whoever the people are you're trying to get in, man, there's nothing more powerful than giving somebody something that they can look at and say, I can go there. I can do that. Intimidation is one of those things that's, you know, I guess besides inertia in the couches having this strange gravity that doesn't let us off them, intimidation is is always one of the things that keeps people out of gyms above and beyond everything else. People think it's price or location or things like that. It's just, it's intimidation. So anytime you can make that light bulb go off in someone's head and they go, yeah, I could see myself there. That, that person looks like me. You're so far ahead of the game that you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how important that is. It's not, you know, your best, your biggest, your strongest, your bulkiest that are generally going to attract people to the gym. And I mean, if you're the House of Pain gym in St. Louis and you're a hardcore bodybuilding gym, yeah, show off the guys that have 40 inch biceps. Great. But if you're a general population gym, you want people to see and, and feel like they can belong. So I love that you highlighted that in that phrase. I can do that. I can walk in there and be one of those people. So um, I can't underscore that enough. And having that opportunity, the way you took advantage of it is just like, boom, let me capitalize on this thing. And by the way, sounds like moved into a higher traffic, higher visibility location at the same time. Possibly so. Yes. Yeah. So, sounds like a win-win. Now, you know, with, with things like that, we always get questions that pop up, you know, people, well, real estate, is, is more expensive and, you know, there may be premiums and things like that. And real estate's expensive everywhere for anything right now, but to a certain degree, it's like, which battle do you want to fight? You know, do you want to pay a little higher rent and have a bunch more people know you, or do you want to fight the game of everybody that you ever talked to saying, Oh, I never knew you existed. Right. So was there a big shift in that when you moved? Um. Oddly enough, we came from a really high-priced Butler building um, to actually uh, a remarkably 
inexpensive location. And I, I can only say it this way. When I left our Butler building, we were at six grand a month in rent. And my first year at our new location downtown was $1,000 a month. And well, that, that's, was, irresistible. That's, a, that's, a, that's a longer story, but we just happened to um, link up with the best landlord you could ever have and um, walk into a building that had not been touched in probably 40 years. And so as I pulled the construction dumpster up, he said, what are you doing? I said, we're at the highest end of code compliance. We have to gut this place and get it going. And he uh, changed his, his um, conversation, which was, here's the keys, your rent's $1,000 a month, and, and we go from there, to come over to my office, which fortunately happened to be right across the street, or he would have never seen the dumpster pulling up there, and we'd be $150,000 in debt. But in this case, he said, listen, we own all our buildings outright. We could probably use it right off. We're going to do this for you if you'll do this for us. And it was, here's $130,000 worth of improvements. And if you will sign a 10-year lease, as opposed to a five and five, we're in business. And I said, well, if you will do an 11-year lease with my first month or first year being 1,000, you have a better deal. And that's what happened. And it went from there. Now, the benefit to being in a gym that's downtown, uh, if you've ever gone to a historical area, it's nice to walk in. You see the antiques and things like that, but people aren't going to go upstairs in an antique dealership. And that's what he based his mind off was, we have this 6,000 square feet upstairs that's really useless information or useless space. I can only really rent him the downstairs. And so in his mind, he rented 4,000 square feet in, or 6,000. And in my mind, I got a 12,000 for the same price. So, you know, all that together, of course, brings it into this, this, this cool little place that says, here's this open area. It's, it's clean. It's neat. It's fun. If you want to take a step on the wild side and go join the 10% of the population that wants to get a little bit bigger, head upstairs. But if not, hang out here. Right. And those people that want to get bigger will walk up to your desk and say, hey, where are the weights? And you go, oh, they're upstairs. Go check it out. Correct. Let's go see. Yeah. Or, or they'll, they'll say something like this. My wife has been working out in your gym for 10 years, and she finally said, I, I saw a really big guy when I was walking upstairs to go to the aerobics room, and he would say, what are you talking about? And she says, ah, oh, there's these weights upstairs, and these big guys are lifting, and he would say, I had no idea. So that, it, it's, a, it's a plus minus. It's a plus in a way because it keeps the free weight area at a nice little steady pace. It's not busy. Uh, it's a, it's a minus because we probably could pick up a few more weightlifters that want to be in there and, and kind of occupy the time, but it, it's a good balance. It works out. Awesome. And I want to throw a little bit of information in there just because I, I don't know if it's regional regional or not, but when you say a Butler building, um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, this is your typical pictured um, engineered kind of sheet metal box building that you'd see in a commercial area might be a warehouse might be a, a garage but uh your typical standalone industrial just metal building that's it okay. garage doors concrete floors you know of course we had mats and carpet and everything uh but it was a great place to start mm -hmm. you know 
in the in the spring in the fall you can open up the garage doors and leaves are blowing in it's just a cool place to work out um side note we had a, an area that was about 2000 square feet that we uh converted into an indoor rock climbing um facility of which i feel certain we were the second person on the east coast to have an indoor climbing wall um and that went on for quite a long time until, of course, we moved. We had to shut that down because the other building wouldn't allow it. But it just made this great kind of indoor-outdoor cool place. It just was kind of at the point out of, out, of, uh, out of range as the city was growing. So we had to get downtown. Awesome. I appreciate the, the clarification and shedding a little light there. Yeah, that's something you can do with a nice big high ceiling open building, but doesn't, doesn't work so much in a, in a downtown configuration. But it sounds like you've made do and... You know, where, where, how long have you been in this, where you are now? What year was the move? This location opened up January 6th of 96. All right. So a few years it's been there. A few years. Yeah. Yeah. So again, kind of capitalizing on your experience in longevity, um, there have been some, you know, some different trends that have come and gone in fitness. There have been some, you know, various bandwagons and, and things that have happened have there, have there been any big changes that you've made, things that you've adopted, either that you are very glad that you did or, or things that you dipped your toes in the water um, and learned a lesson from of, hey, like, maybe I should be more cautious or, you know, just have affected the way that you add or subtract services in the gyms or gym? Gym. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things, I guess. Um, I guess we can we can open the the book by saying the the number one thing that that is on the mind of a customer walking through the door is what's it going to cost me and how long do I have to be here and how do I get out of this if I don't like it and that's that's probably the the chapter for a lot of gym owners that should just kind of juggle that around with with you know how do I how do I make money and keep the customer happy and not have a bad reputation, which in, in my mind, I shouldn't say other gyms. I don't know. I, I really don't go to other gyms, but I really do look at that. And so in the beginning, we started off as a lot of clubs do saying, you know, here's our paid in full price. And here's our, if you can't pay in full, here's three monthly or here's three payments paid off in three months and you're good to go to the evolution of month to month billing, which has been the greatest thing in the world. And then, you know, everything in between there was the lessons learned as in, do you start adding the initiation fees and how big is that initiation fee? And do you cut that in half? And do you, do you say, well, Bill, if you can pay in full, it's only this much. And then three days later, a guy walks through the door and says, wait a minute. So what you're telling me is if I can't pay in full and I can only pay month to month and the month to month payments add up to be $150 more than the paid in full price. So you're charging me more to work out in your gym because I can't pay in full. And I went, that's a valid point. And from that day, I never allowed that to happen. I wouldn't say if you can pay in full, you get cheap. Cause I just felt that really is true. You're screwing someone over by using that method. And the flip to that is the person that comes in, they can write a check. And I say, listen, here's the price. And they're quick enough to say, well, that's the same price. And they say, that's exactly right. You're, you're all here doing the same thing, paying the same thing. You get the same gym owner. You get the same toilet paper in the bathroom. Let's just make it fair. Easy for me, easy for everybody that works for me. No one has to say, uh, hey, I can't really do this because the owner's not here. It's not fair. Let's make it all equal across the board. 
So for you, one of the biggest things, and and I, I don't I don't take sides, you know, on either side of the fence of that with discounts or layers or things like that, because I think you can find examples that work in in everything from the most common to most outlandish uh, pricing schemes and membership uh, options that you can find. But for you personally, equal, fair, and simple were the thing that you felt like you could scale the most and re would reduce friction, animosity, anything negative across the board that could be associated with the process and just keep you in the business of, hey, how can I help you? This is what it is. And we're either kind of a fit or we're not. Right. And, you know, you throw in the fact that we're a small town mm -hmm. and word gets around real quick. So if you do something that affects somebody, you never know if it's just Bill or is it Ted? And Ted has six uncles and four aunts and, and they're the, the good old boy circle of Fredericksburg and you're either good or not. And I, I never want to be on the other side of going, hey, but that's not what I really meant. What I meant to do was this. So I've always tried to stay on the positive side of that. So treat everybody yeah. the same. It, it, it kind of works and it comes back to benefit you, even though it seems maybe in the beginning it doesn't, it does in the end, almost every time. Yeah, you don't ever have to answer to anything that you don't want to in that aspect. And, you know, we could, we could debate the pros and cons, you know, hey, you know, I'm giving somebody a discount because they're paying me for a year and I know that they're going to stay and there's a commitment and, and you can justify it and, and run around in circles, but to the average consumer, they don't care about your business or the, not that they don't care about your business, but they're not concerned with how much money you make with your average retention or length of membership. They're concerned with feeling like this is the value that I want. This is the price I'm willing to pay for it. And it didn't really feel like there was, there was no fluff or nothing hidden, no gotcha behind it. And that's really just what makes you sleep a little bit better at night knowing you don't have to deal with it. Exactly. Exactly. I don't have to, um, well, this evolves with the next story. I've had, I've had no sales people. I've had sales people and I'm back to no sales people um, for that same reason. Plus how that's evolved. I, yeah. I think that may take us to the end of the time we have in the show, but again, um, things that you've gone through evolutions of, I think are most important and interesting. Yeah. So tell me, tell me what that evolution has looked yeah. like. So that, that's probably as I look at it, standing on this side of the fence now uh we could go off on a tangent on 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 the sales aspects of gyms because it's you know it's it's endless mm. um but the, the the long and short of that is when you're sitting at a restaurant that has high back chairs and you hear the person behind you at the table say yeah i like that place body works but you gotta god you gotta sign up for three years and there's a hundred dollar cancellation fee to get out and you know is it worth all that and I'm just cringing in my seat and I turn around and it's a person that's a member of the gym talking to a person who's looking for a new gym. And that, that happened. And literally the next day I went back and said to my sales guy, I said, listen, you know, we, we got to go a different path. So I'm going to let you go. And we quickly got rid of the hundred dollar cancellation fee, which was almost always followed by, Oh, and we have a 30 day notice. So you were $139 to get out of a gym and then move away and then come back and go, well, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna work out, but it probably won't be at Body Works because of that method. So it made it real simple to, to breeze past all of that stuff. Um, the next thing was saying no 
no long-term contracts. I mean, if you want to pay for a year in advance, that's fine. Do so. I've got the $10,000 bond to take care of you if something should go wrong, but go ahead and do so. But if not, let's just go month to month like we, like a lot of people have been doing for years and years. And let's just add it to this. If you want to get out, just give me a 30-day notice and you're out of here. There's no cancellation fee. If you want to put it on freeze, put it on freeze. That, that's fine. It works with me. I'll put it on an indefinite freeze. You come back two years from now, guess what? You get the same price because it's been the same price for 15 years. It doesn't make a difference to me, but it does make a difference to that customer because they know now, listen, I can step in there, get a couple months, go on vacation, come back, do the, do the couch vacation, do the whatever it is, but they just call back up because it's just, it's, it's, you've taken away all the issues that seem to be in it in a gym that it's 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 easy to get in and it's almost impossible to get out you know the people that come to me from other gyms and they say hey yeah how how can i get out of my gym membership at this place and i go well i don't know go back and read your contract and see what happens you know that's all i can say you know if you want to step in here this is as simple as it gets with us so with that, it made it real simple to go to the next phase, which is this cool thing uh, called online signups. You know, we were with the billing service for the longest time. I won't say who they are. Uh, they've been sold out and moved on, but we're with another organization that allows us to do that. Um, and the second we set that program up, it trickled for a while. And we sat and said, well, there's, there's only one reason that it's trickling is because we're not reaching the people that are sitting in front of their phones and computers, which are the younger populations that led us into a little bit more of the Instagram, Facebook marketing and advertising. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's shortening it up in a really condensed area, but we went from lots of advertising, radio, newspapers, you know, flyers, you name it like that to almost no advertising to a $500 a month budget for Facebook, Instagram ads. And that's been the biggest difference. So now we have people coming in, signing up back and forth. It's, 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 it's a game changer. It works. The only thing that I dislike about it is I want our young people to come in and look at this guy right here and say, Hey, I'm Tim. I just signed up online. I go, Hey, Tim, I sent you the text last night. How you doing? What can I do for you out there? Um, they're still not quite ready to talk to us, those young people. They want to slide through the door and get the workout and slide out the door and not be talked to. I don't know. Um, but that's been the biggest difference for us is recognizing no one wants to be locked in. They want to have the freedom to just pick and choose and do what they want to do, sign up when they want to, leave when they want to. And then the outcome is that you'll come back. If you back in town, you went through college, you graduated, you went off, got your job, you moved back in town, you knock on the door and go, hey, I'm here with my wife and my two kids and we want to sign up. And I go, hey, your kids can't come in because they're too young. But yeah, come on in. We'll, we'll hone their skills until they're old enough to join the gym. Awesome. I want to put an exclamation point on, on those two things and then we'll probably be out of time here. But anecdotally, um, you can say whatever you want and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably take this to my grave. Uh, making it hard for somebody to quit your gym is, I mean, unless you're a small personal training studio and you live and die by one member here and there, I, at that rate, I can see it. But especially if you've got a big gym, you know, multi-hundred members, thousands, whatever it is, um, if you make it hard for somebody to quit, it will leave a bad taste in their mouth and 
and they will tell people, I, I recently had it happen to me. I'm a little bit of a transient, moved around a lot, um, joined a gym near me. A, it's a six gym local chain and um, things changed. We moved. It wasn't convenient. Walk into the gym. I was on a month to month membership with a 30 day cancellation, mind you. So, you know, that was the guy. He tried to talk me out of the month to month when I signed up, which I Oh, it's going to be triple the price. I'm like, well, well, no, it's only ten dollars more a month, and I'll pay that for it. <laughs> but then I, I walk in, and hey, you know, how's it going? I, you know, we're moving. Need to cancel my membership. Oh, well, the person that does that isn't here. Call tomorrow. Call tomorrow, right? Talk to the guy. He's like, all right, I'll I'll take care of all this. And then he's like, who was it that you talked to that said I couldn't do? It? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't ask their name. Well, can you describe them to me? And it's like. The third degree, I'm like, sir, I just want to cancel my membership. All right, well, I'll put it through, but you better call next Wednesday to make sure that the office did it. And I'm like, well, I can't do it in person. I can't trust the person I'm talking to on the phone. Do you think that there's any chance I'm ever going to do business with you again? He's like, yeah, and you're probably going to want to call again after you get billed to make sure it's the last bill too, because, you know, uh, the old manager who was here, he he didn't do things, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> None of these things are going to make me feel like I want to send anybody to you. I want to come back. I want to, there's, you know, there's a location near, you know, where we moved from and to, and I'm like, well, this is definitely not going to be the place that I want to, you know, even 30 or $40 a month. It's, it's not even a matter of the money. Um, it's just, it's, it's terrible to make the process that bad for somebody. Like, give me, give me a link. I can click on a website and tell me you're going to charge me one more time or make sure anybody that I could talk to can help me, but boy, don't do that to me because yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to have a good time. Yeah. I I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, in the fact that, uh, it is a small world and things do happen and people will come into your town and say, I was in the service. I work for IBM, whatever it is. And when a friend of mine was stationed there, he said, this is a place to come to. So I'm here. And that has played out a thousand times. If it's happened once is that someone walks in from a good referral and, and you try to, you try to make it work. I'll even pull up that person's name and I'll go, that's Ted. And Ted was paying $29 a month. And that's the price you get. I don't have a problem with that because it just, it just creates it and pushes and pushes and pushes. And it's just a good thing. You know? Yeah. One of these arguments that I get all the time is people say, well, if someone has a good experience, they might not tell anybody if they have a bad experience, they'll definitely tell people. So, you know, I don't know, people, people aren't going to do anything with it. I'm not going to get any business out of it anyway. It's like, well, you're definitely going to hurt yourself if you don't do it. And do you not just feel better giving people a good experience? Like, is there not some drive for you? If you're in our business, especially to want to make people's day, hopefully a little bit better when they leave than when they got there. Absolutely. So, and, Absolutely. and I think that's kind of one of the philosophies that you said you espouse. It's not about being the biggest or best. And you certainly don't want to be the worst, but does somebody come in and say, you know, I hate when people say it's the best hour of their day because I'm never going to want to compete with somebody's family time or something else that they may like. But it's like, hey, do I feel better when I left than when I came in or do I feel accomplished or do I feel like I want to come back again? Hey, you know, it's it's like, yeah, that was that was a rough workout, busted my butt, whatever it is. All right, see you tomorrow, whatever yeah. the case may be. But if people don't leave with that feeling every time, 
think you're only as good as your last interaction in this business, in most businesses, but in our business for sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to add this last little bit and, and because it, it, it happened to me and it evolved. And that was when I first opened my gym, I was 28 years old and a gentleman walked in my building and said he was with the president's council on aging. And he heard there was a gym in town. He just wanted to check it out. And he started talking and about that time, the crash happened on the gym floor. And I looked out and it was this guy who's always going for a PR. And so I said, I'm sorry. And I walked out and I said, Hey, could you not crash the weights? And it happened. I go back up. It happens one more time. The gentleman stops me, puts his hand on my arm and says, you have a 1% problem. And me at 28 years old, talking to this 70 year old man, I said, give me that information. What, what is, what is a 1% issue? And he said, 1% of your population will give you hundred percent of your problems. He says, get rid of the 1%. And I said, man, that is so powerful. And I walked out and I said to this guy, I said, now, keep on. I'm 28. He's about 52. Big difference at that point in my life. I said, pick up your gym bag and get out of here. Don't come back. And uh, he cussed me out and walked at the door. The gym broke into an applause because they were so sick of this guy and what he was doing. So from that day to this day, 35 people have been asked to leave Body Works because the next bigger thing that happens in a gym is that one person that takes up the bench, sits on the bike, plays the music too loud, whatever they're doing, they're rubbing at least one, if not more people wrong. And you may only find out of the one person, but the six other people that aren't coming back to the gym because they know that's the guy's car who's upstairs being an idiot. So don't be afraid as a gym owner to look at your population and go, all right, who's, who's it's a calm, running stream and there's a little flick in the water and let's go find out why because that person may be costing me money because the people will not come back in the gym if they're just not comfortable all the way around price wise and personally they're there every day so let's make it all equal and get rid of the knuckleheads and enjoy your life you know absolutely one of my um Favorite recent reads in the business world, and uh, if you're if you're a reader, it's a good little read. And for our listeners out there, uh, the Pumpkin Plan by Mike Michalowicz really okay. espouses that. It's and you know he uses the uh, the the world of like uh, you know award winning large pumpkin growing, but basically the idea is you know put all your attention and effort into the people that that are your most rewarding, that are your um, your, your best clients and, and don't be afraid to pull the weeds out. You know, there's, you know, whether you call it the Pareto principle, the 80, 20, you know, in gyms, you know, 20% of your clients probably pay you the least and give you the most hassles. And it's, it's always like people are afraid of the, of losing a few customers here and there, but don't realize that the people that leave because of those bad seeds might not ever tell you, or they might give you a different reason or, they just make it so that you don't enjoy doing it. And, you know, life is short and there, there's no gym that can service, you know, if we apply it to our industry, everybody in their community, right? You can't have everybody. You just, you need as many people as you need and those should be the best fits. So yeah, don't be afraid to pull the weeds is uh, the moral of that story for sure. A, a fine way of stating that. Yes. 
All right, sir, we are officially out of time. I wanna be respectful of your day and what you have going on. I appreciate you being here. I look forward to uh, checking in on you in the future. Maybe we can get you back on to talk some more stuff because you're a wealth of information. I appreciate the time you've given us today. Dominic, thank you. You are very welcome. And to everyone out there listening, as always, we wouldn't be here without you. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode, specifically, 33 years plus, you can make a career of this, make good decisions, work hard, serve people. To everyone out there in Jim Lord's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. My name is Bree. I'll be your host today, and I'm here with Connie from Complex Fit in Santa Rosa, California. What's up, Connie? How are you today? I am great. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Of course. All right, cool. So let's jump right in here. How did we get started? What is it that made you want to own your own business? That's a great question. I feel like I've always been very independent. Moved here when I was 18 years old from Germany. So I've always enjoyed um, kind of staying in my lane and doing things the way that I think work best for me, where I can be myself and I can be authentic, right? Now, I did work for probably three different big box gyms. So I worked at any time. I worked at 25 Fitness. I worked at a couple of smaller training facilities and loved it. Uh, I think they were all stepping stones for me personally. But in the long run, I, I realized I didn't really like fitting that box. I didn't really like having to function a certain way and having to sell a certain way and uh, hit certain numbers of revenue, you know, in a way that I felt was a little bit more um, too much of the pressure side and mm -hmm. then the creative side. So I ended up doing it myself and uh, it, it worked really well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now with the way that things are structured within your business now, so you're training out of a couple of different facilities, correct? Correct. Okay. And are you doing only personal training or doing semi-private sessions, group classes? What does that all kind of look like? A little bit of everything. I, uh, I love group training on a smaller scale, just because I truly believe in 
um, human connection. And I think it's so important to have accountability and find like-minded individuals and friends you can connect with on, on a similar wavelength. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Have maybe four to five groups of little, you know, um, bubbles that yeah. I feel like I've created and then now right. they're all friends and they work out together and it's been so fulfilling to watch them grow. Um, this is maybe five, five to eight people at a time. I do enjoy individual training depending on what my client's needs are. So if it's um, an older client, you know, I've, I've got clients over 70 or 80 years old. With them, I prefer to work one-on-one. -on -one. Um, there's more like athletes, you know, people who do need more of the, the, the individual attention. So it all depends. It all depends on what the client needs and what the client is looking for. I always opt for more connection over the, the private training right. situation. But um, yeah, it, it varies, you know. I It's mostly fitness training. Sometimes it's just meeting in the facility, but talking about their nutrition or talking about their habits and talking right. about everything else that they're doing not in, in the facility. So um, I guess I go with the flow, depending on what the person is looking for that day. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And um, how do you structure how your clients pay for the services? Are they on some type of a membership? Are they purchasing packages? What does that aspect look like? I try to have some options, but not too many options because sometimes yeah. less is more. I've learned Definitely. the hard way. I used yeah. to be when I first started my first trip, I feel like um, I was overthinking it. Mm -hmm. So at this point, um, because right now it's just me, training most of my clients have got some backup trainers but in my eyes memberships don't really make sense because I do travel and, and go back home and I might not always be available so I try to go by session okay I do drop-ins um and then I have punch cards so that would be you know package of five or package of ten get ten get one free mm -hmm. <laughs> um I have, I used to do outdoor classes. I did running outside and especially during COVID at this outdoor program. And uh, for that, I, I even charged monthly. I just had a flat rate, you know, and I said, right. hey, th those are the runs we're doing every week. There's some boot camps at the park and whatnot. And then people were able to pay monthly. But I feel like the packages have been really good the past couple of years. Okay. And mm -hmm. how many clients do you currently have? How many are you currently serving? Uh, I would say maybe around 40, okay. it, it ranges. I've, I've worked with a lot of people at this point. I was trying to do the math the other day and I think it's been, it's been hundreds of people. I'm so privileged. I've, I've yeah. worked with a lot of people between, uh, the different gyms and, and then the gym I was running, we definitely had at least a hundred members, but at this point, active clients, I would say around, around 40. Okay. Around 40. Yeah. And how do you get the word out there about what it is that you're doing? Are you doing any type of marketing, um, any type of paid advertising? Does it come through? Some of those people come through the gyms that you're at. How does that all work? Again, another great learning experience as I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to figure this out. So I think marketing it's an interesting thing. I've, I've tried the, the paid advertising um, and I feel like word of mouth is are the best clients I've ever 
really gotten so clients through clients and i think it's it's really important to have a social media a strong social media presence and i i'm very active on my complex fed account on my instagram and i'll i'll make sure to always you know take pictures or record sometimes if people are doing really well and then tag them and then then they share it and then they their friends see it and all of a sudden i get all these new followers and i get new inquiries so um it's it's definitely grown fast just through my social my, my instagram honestly mm-hmm. um social or facebook ads i've tried once or twice and actually paid for it and i feel like i never got anything out of it <laughs> but maybe mm-hmm. it was just the way i arranged it i'm not quite sure um but i would say if you if you truly care about a client they they appreciate and value it so much and if you send some memories and photos and whatnot they if if they start sharing it with their friends it can grow so like much faster than you think exponential growth um, i've experienced through it now moving forward as i'm growing myself and i'm trying to open up a new facility eventually and we're um we're creating and hosting events in this year um Mm -hmm. fairs fitness fairs and um runs marathons fitness boot camps like themed fitness series through them it's a pretty big event center i'm able to market so i can actually use professionals i can just kind of give that to somebody else because i've I've been feeling this pressure of oh my god i have to do it all myself right really i'm not a professional marketer it's not that's i've never studied it i just try i do what i can do and what i do best with my social media because i'm creative with photos and i like taking photos or videos but now i've got a marketing person who can eventually take that load off me and i think that's the combination of what i've been doing and then her kind of doing her thing is going to bring it all together right yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely okay and now what is the timeline for you as far as opening that facility a year. A year? Yeah. Okay. All right. So now um, I love this idea. And it's always such an exciting time when you're kind of right on the verge of getting into a facility. So is there a certain number of clients that you're looking to reach or a revenue goal or anything super specific that you have in your mind that you're saying, okay, this is the point where I can actually open that facility? Yes. I think, again, that's a big learning lesson for me right now is coming from a place of winging it in a garage. Like I literally started my last business in a garage and grew it very quickly. But if I'm, you know, if we're talking about a 10,000 square feet place, um, that's a lot bigger. And obviously there has to be some set, you know, so there has to be some set business plan and revenue plan and there has to be some set numbers in place. So I'm working with another business coach right now who can help me with that. Mm-hmm. I would say to open the place, you would need at least 300 members. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of a number we've aimed for in terms of revenue. We're working on that right now. We're, okay. we're trying to create some six-year plan, just predicting the, the numbers for the next six years, just so we, can, we have something to build on, something that we know um we're expecting based on the neighborhoods they're building so that's something you really have to look at is um geographically you know how many people are already right there how many people can i bring to the table who else is going to be working there what what does their following look like currently um and then 
they're building, there's a school too, a school right next door. Those are all, there's already 300 kids, high school kids, you know, mm -hmm. those could be, um, people, you know, bodies, <laughs> they have yeah. parents, right. they drop them off, they pick them up, there could be some after school program, you know, that could be even, we could tie that together. I've already met with the school board trying to figure out some bridge there, you know? Right. Um, so utilizing what you have, uh, there's 500 new homes that are being built around that facility. They'll wow. be done um, later this year. Mm -hmm. So those are all family homes and they're all gonna be right. looking for a place. So that's all, I think as we go this year, we'll probably figure that out um, more in depth, but I, I believe 300 is a good place to start. Okay, so do you, you already have the facility picked out or just the area? Facilities already standing. It's okay. part of a, it's, it's called a Somo village. It's part of a village, um, like a sustainable living uh, community that they're they're building all these um, offices that they've got an event center they're building coffee shops restaurants a brewery it's a, basically a whole new neighborhood wow. they are um they're creating um all solar powered um they're gonna have some gardens with fresh produce it's it's all about i would say like a, like the feeling of of a european a small european town that again, I'm very familiar with having grown right. up over there that has very deep social ties and motivates people to just ride their bike to, you know, everything is close by and um, they don't have to get in their car and, you know, drive away. So I think that's that's the idea of, of what they're already doing. They're already in the process of creating it. There's already a lot of people who live there, but I think they're not quite there yet where I want it, where I want them to be for, in order for me to plug my my ideas into their ideas, right. but it aligns, it very much aligns with my own values. So the facility is already standing. Um, the only thing we'll need to do now is obviously we've got a contractor, we need, we need a, cons a consultant who they've now got on board who will help us to build it and um, an architect, you know, to kind of build it out and match, match it the rest of the buildings they already have, but that will take yeah, it'll take about a year, but I walked through it just a couple of weeks ago and it's, it yeah. helps to visualize, you know, you, Absolutely. you look at it and you're like, this is going to be it, you know, it's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so exciting. So one thing I really love to ask about is the unicorn goal is what I like to call it. So, mm -hmm. you know, a few years from now, uh, what is it that you're really looking to achieve? Like if you had the perfect situation, the unicorn situation, <laughs> um, what is that for you? Great question. Um, <laughs> I would say creating this beautiful network, um, a very strong ties, I guess just a strong community where people feel heard, they feel seen, they know they belong somewhere. They, um, they're motivated, not because they have to, but because they want to. They show up because they have friends who are after the same goals. And um, some sort of, I guess, cross-referral system to where you have this this village feeling, I think is such a great idea. Because that's, yeah. I think we were, if you think back, you know, thousands of years, uh, we, we, we were designed to function in a village. Everything right. was close by you have this pocket this little bubble of of like community and um yeah. 
that's how we function best, I think, which is what we need more than ever, not right now, that people have been so isolated. But the, the way where everybody can contribute in different ways, and there's different departments, there's different buildings, and, mm-hmm. and nothing is far, you know, and, and anywhere you go, you run into people, you know, I feel like that's how we thrive right? right and i mean obviously mm-hmm. i'm i'm all about the, the fitness component and it's not just going to be a, a gym the the their idea is to have it be it's i'm gonna call it complex as like the umbrella term or the umbrella um name of the facility but i want departments you know there should be um there's gonna be a dance room there's gonna be yoga room a hot yoga room there's gonna be a cold plunge and a sauna because i love any you know hot cold exposure um the, the gym of course office uh, rooms where you can learn about nutrition or rehab or you know it's more of the wellness approach so it's it's really just i guess i would say if i was to give you just a mission it's to add value to people's mm-hmm. lives and give them knowledge and tools to to create habits that stick right through whatever it is that they need, whatever puzzle piece it is that they're missing in their complex lifestyle that's sometimes hard to live out at your be- like best or fullest potential. But once you get there and you show up and you put in the work, you're it's totally worth it, right? That's, that's yeah. how you become healthy. Absolutely. I love that idea of kind of having everything in one place for a healthy lifestyle. That's mm-hmm. amazing. It makes things simplified for people. Um, now, is that something that you want to do because it's something that you've always kind of been looking for yourself and you haven't really found that and you're trying to provide that for other people that would benefit from that? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You're kind of, um, that's where I left off at the last podcast. When okay. I <laughs> another one last year and I really liked it. And they were kind of going into the leaps of faith just because I've known this this person I was talking to for a while and he he asked me a bunch of questions about how I moved so far from home and I could barely speak English seven years ago. Um, and and I remember feeling so I still so lost, you know. I was I was over here, had no friends, could barely communicate, and um, had every reason to go back pretty much because I was so attached to my village, your little, you know, circle right. back home. But yes. unfortunately, I was after the wrong things. I was I was just out of high school, um, just like most young, you know, kid. The, the youth these days were all so confused. You know, you, you, kind of, you don't really know what you like. You don't know your passions. You don't know what you want to do later on. And then you put, you get put into this box. Like I was put in this box of the gym and you, you just kind of trying to figure it out. And right. when I moved so far, that's the best thing I could have ever done. It was so scary. But what I was looking for is I was so desperate for connection, right? The right. only, the only reason I was able to stay um, on the other side of this world by myself and then build my, build a life up and now try and create businesses, you know, yeah. is because I found the people who welcomed me. They motivated, they made me feel like I was part of something. They didn't make me feel alienated because I'm from a different country. Um, I w- they were just so, so warm and welcoming. And there I have a few instructors of mine who, they were fitness instructors who mm-hmm. took me in. I went to a gym. I was like, I don't know. It's the only social place I know. Right. So um, I'm going to just hang out here for like the next year, you know? Right. So that's how I started my fitness journeys. I was just always at the gym. And then um, then people started walking up to me like, oh, you're, you know, you seem really passionate about this. You know, let me take you in and let me 
I think you can be a leader too. You can be, you know, you can be a teacher. And I would, I never believed myself unless people told me that. So I've always kind of relied on other people pointing that out and including me. And it changed my life so much to where I started believing in myself when I knew now I can, I can spread my wings and actually go and do something myself without having to rely on my parents or anybody else. Um, to right now, it doesn't matter who walks into my class. I, if they're, even if they're more quiet or they're different, you know, it's like not everybody needs, needs to feel like they're welcome, you know? Yes. And I make a point, I talk to them, I, I, I connect with them. I really connect. That's, that's where it's at. If you just say, hello, yeah, um, just get your workout in and I'll see you next week, you know? Right. Have fun. <laughs> nice to see you. Yeah. It's not the same as, you know, even giving somebody a hug and like really asking about their day and what they're looking for and how they're doing, not just fun, but how they're actually doing that day right. um, has been huge. So um, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was something that you were looking for oh, yeah. that kind of yes. sparked yes. that yes. And, and made you want to share that with right. other people. And it's on that deeper level of connection, really right. making right. people feel welcome and like they have a place, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's comfortable and welcoming right. and warm right. and inviting. And also, I mean, the, the one stop kind of shop that you're looking to create is amazing because it's all encompassing. And it's so great. Like you said, like the best thing that you could have done was take that leap to move here from Germany at Mm -hmm. 18, you know, putting yourself in such an uncomfortable position at -hmm. such a young age. And I think that that's something that a lot of people are so afraid to do. And so they miss out on so many opportunities in life because they're just afraid to put themselves in an uncomfortable situation. And, you know, when you never do that, it's like you kind of hold yourself back from a lot of the opportunities that are there. So I'm sure that that played a huge part in, you know, you getting to the position now where you're looking to open your own business. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's great. That's very inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Discomfort equals growth. Yeah. It's, it's been, uh, I just, right before this, um, meeting, I took a cold shower, like long cold shower, and it, it was oh. horrible. But <laughs> those are the things that really make me thrive and show up because I, right. I love that. That's that's just the continuation of, you know, any day I try to find something that challenges me, if it's physically, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, there's some way you can step out of your box and be uncomfortable. But that's, that's how we move forward. Otherwise you're stuck. Right. Yes. And, um, it's sometimes, yeah. If you do it with people, it's a whole nother story. So, you know, right. I'll, I'll just tell them I'm right here with you. You know, I'll, I'll be uncomfortable with you. Let's do it together. You know, I've been there. You can do it. Yes. And um, I love what you said. It's so true. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how we, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's inspiring because like I said, there are so many people that, and you mentioned this earlier, just get stuck in that box. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and everybody kind of goes through that in life, especially when you're just trying to figure it out. And then there's this like straight and narrow that everybody thinks that you have to stay on. Mm -hmm. And people are so afraid to veer off that track. Mm-hmm. And then they're just, you know, going through the motions on a daily basis because they think this is what I have to do. And that's yep. why people are so unfulfilled a lot of the times in their lives because they never mm-hmm. really do what they want to do, what they're passionate about. Um, and, it, you know, and it, it gets really hard at a certain point to break people out of that mindset. And that's one of the reasons why I do what I do is because if you can kind of break somebody's beliefs and open their mind to what's possible and get them to that next level, like it's such an amazing thing to see. So, you know, that's whether it be in fitness, whether it be in business, in life in general, you know, there are so many aspects that that plays into. And once you start doing that in one area, it tends to kind of open the box in the other areas as well. I love that. I like to ask people what they used to like to do as kids. It's yeah. a very interesting question. People, you know, they're, they're caught off guard. They're, they're not sure why, why they would go back there. You know, I mean, kids seem so innocent and like they don't know anything about business, right? But um, that's false. <laughs> I think I'm reading this amazing book right now about, um, it's called The Genius of Jesus, but it's a really awesome book that dives into how we are all designed to be a genius. Like we're all, we have the capacity mm-hmm. and the imagination and the, we're so creative. We're designed to be creative and create, right? Geniuses create new things. That's the definition of it. Now, kids, if, you, if you've had a conversation with a kid recently between like the age of maybe eight and 12, mm-hmm. up until the age of 12, we're all so lost in our imagination i remember when i was 10 i had like imaginary friends i had imaginary horses like that was my life you know yeah in in nature we had no tv either i think it's as part of how i grew into this woman now is i've kind of reconnected with the inner child when of when i was living over there and my parents literally just had me play outside um, in the fields until sunset and I had this imaginary world right right what was so big I always thought big mm-hmm. so now I feel like I'm, I'm doing that again because I remember what it was like to have no limits because again like you said when you then get conditioned after the age of 12 you now have to fit in this box and again honestly in, in Europe in Germany there's, there's a whole nother standard of like box you know right. that's part of where I left I, I just didn't fit that. I, I honestly believe that I'm dumb because <laughs> I wasn't good in school. Now I'm finally back on track to believe that I actually am capable of a lot of things. Right. But I, I didn't have good grades and I didn't have um, the belief in myself. And I think that's where we lose it. And it's so sad is people telling kids, no, you have to become a nurse. You have to do this, go to school and do that. And then you don't know how to be unique and add your personal touch to how to grow anything. That's why even now having some sort of business plan is nice. And I need the accountability of another person or two who have right. that knowledge in terms of Excel spreadsheets. And I don't know what, you know, all these like the, the number stuff that I can, that I've never been good at because I like the creative, the colors and, and anything else that has to do with humans. Yeah. <laughs> but not, with, not with computers. Uh, I can do that, you know, but I, I don't want to lose that. I, I want to focus on what, 
I know works in my eyes through like my eyes of of growth and prosperity and then they can do the rest right yeah yeah absolutely you're kind of the creative vision and then you have somebody that is like okay this is how we're going to execute that on on the business side of things essentially (laughs) yeah there's a, a balance there so, but yeah, having that and, you know, not losing that vision for you. I mean, that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps you inspired and loving what you do. So that's so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? I would say Instagram is probably the easiest right now at the moment. I have a website as well. My Instagram um, personal name is Connie.complex. My business page is complex.fit. And my website would be complexfit.com. Now um, I'm a lot more active on, on my Instagram though. So right. I, would, yeah. I would start there. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. So Connie from Complex Fit in Santa Rosa, California. Thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been so great having you on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you'll be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there. We'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.